Welcome to Highway Christian Community Sermon Downloads. For more sermons, please visit our website. We know you will be blessed as you listen. Take care and God bless. Well, good morning, folks. So wonderful to be here with you in the house. I remember a couple of years ago, I can't remember, Jeff, I came to visit we had the office of Youth with the Mission here just as I handed over the leadership to Jeff. And, and, uh, and I remember I came to visit here, and uh, it's so good to be back this time. Not the empty church, but the full church, and it's fantastic. I've got only one wife. I'm a good African. Um, 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 my wife's name is Grace. Um, she's at the moment in Australia. Um, She's lecturing for two weeks at Youth with the Mission Sydney. And uh, I've got two children, Michael Andrew. Michael Andrew, um, we've been missionaries forever, my wife and I. And, and I remember at one stage in high school, he looked at me and he says, Dad, um, don't be mad at me, but I, I'm not going to be a missionary. And I said, why not? He says, well, I've watched you. You're always on your knees praying for money. He says, I'm going to go and study and work and then I, I, I will support you. I said, of course, we will not, we'll not uh, punish you for that. And so he finished high school, and he had two subjects that he needed to rewrite. And he did it in three months' time, and he walks up to me. He says, Dad, can I go to Iowan? And inside I was laughing. He, and so he's been for three years with Youth with the Mission as a missionary in Australia. And uh, so it's wonderful to see him and my wife together there. I've got a little daughter. Um, she's always been busy in the house. Drama queen, scream, and music is always. And she's studying drama for four years in Wits. And so that's just our two children. Been married for 26 years. And uh, going this year, uh, uh, 27, my goodness. And, uh, and I still miss my wife. Well, she, she loves me still, she said. Uh, this morning... Uh, this morning, I want to speak to you about what I call God's heart for the nation. In short, it could be missions, but we don't want to use that word because when we say missions, people are thinking, man, should I go to that place, um, Afghanistan? And so I talk about God's heart for the nation. And there's three things this morning that I want you to know about God's heart for the nation. And the first thing that I want you to know before we turn to the scripture is that God has an ultimate desire. How many of you know that? That God has an ultimate desire. What is His desire? What is God's desire? I can't hear you. Aha! So His ultimate desire is that every man from every nation will be saved. And so, I, of course, and woman. And, and uh, I can be in trouble with the ladies. Um, can you turn with with me to normally when we read and talk about missions we all think of Matthew 28 but this morning we go to um, a beautiful scripture which I really like Matthew chapter 24 Matthew 24 now Jesus is sitting here on the Mount of Olives and his disciples decided that they want to have a private sort of a, a, a private meeting with him and this is what happened in verse 1 of Matthew chapter 24. They begin to talk about him, and they've got two things on their mind. The one is, when is the sign of you coming back? 
and when will the end come? That's the two things on their hearts. And so as they're asking Jesus this question, he walks them through a whole lot, and we've, we've heard it. I'm not going to preach about the end times. I'm, I'm preaching about, but I just give context to the text. And so he walks them through, and this will happen, and that will happen. And, and I can imagine, and they go like, so is that the end? You know, the wars, and, the, and, he, says, and he goes on. And then in verses 14, and that's where I want you to look. He says there's earthquakes, and there's this, and there's that that's going to happen. But they want to know, but what about the end? And then he says this, verses 14. And this gospel of the kingdom must be, will be preached in the whole world as a testimony to who? To all nations. See, God's heart for the nations. To all nations. And then the end will come. This gospel, not maybe. See, God is not a man that he would lie. Not perhaps. And this gospel of the kingdom must be preached as a testimony to all the nations and then the end will come. Right now as we sit here this morning and we worship together, we have roughly 16,700 people groups in the world. And it's not political the way we look at people groups or nations. We talk about from God's perspective, about 16,700. And of those 16,700, 6,800 has never heard the good news. It's never heard. Let me translate it in a different language so that we understand it. Plus, minus 1.7 billion people, as we sit here and worship God, has never had a Christian walking in their midst. They've never heard the gospel. That's why Jesus' ultimate desire is to see not just Durban, and, and, and this is a beautiful church, I would like to be a member here, but God's ultimate desire is not just for here. It's that everyone will know and get to know Him. Amen? Everyone. Everyone, 1.8 billion people, 86% of that unrich people group have never had a Christian in their midst. 86% of that people group. And while we worship here and, and we had freedom and that, I remember for the last seven, seven years I've been working in the underground of China. And right now, as we're working in the underground church with the persecuted church, People are dying every 24 hours, 482 people are martyred for the name of Jesus because they're saying, man, I don't care what you're saying, but I will not stop praising Him. Are you one of those? Sometimes we are so free in South Africa, you have no idea. When you work in China, man, and you come back from South Africa, I'm weeping because the purity of the church is so seen in China. You don't Say you're a Christian and you're not meaning it. Because when you say you're a Christian, man, you know you're really one. And so Jesus is saying here the end will come when all these people groups and the gospel has been preached to them. 
something that I want to remind you, and I know you know it this morning, that our God, the one that we worship this morning, He's a missionary God. How many of you know that? He's a missionary God. John 3, 16, for God, so what? Come and help me. For God, so love the Durban? No. For God, so loved that He what? That He gave. You see, He's ascending God. He gave His only Son so that, that, that the nations can come to the light. He's a missionary God. And when you look through the Old Testament and the New Testament, man, the footprints of God giving, sending, it's all there. He sent His prophets. And He sent His words. And Jesus Himself says, if I don't go, then I can't send you the what? The Holy Spirit. You see, God is about sending. He sent His word. And He sent His Son. And I believe that He wants to commission you this morning so that you and I can go. That's the ultimate thing that is on the heart of God. He's a sending God. He's a missionary God. This is what Jesus says about Himself in Luke chapter 19. If you can turn with me. Luke chapter 19 is very, very simple. Jesus expressing, He's making it very clear what His mission is has been. And if it's His mission, it has to become our mission. How many of you know them? If you love Him today, the things that He loves, you should fall in love with. Amen? Luke chapter 19, verses 10, and this is what Jesus is saying. For the Son of Man came, help me, came to what? To seek and save the lost. That's the business of God. That's the business of Jesus. That He says, I have come to seek and save the lost. Man, I want to tell you here this morning, church, I am so happy He saved me. How many of you know what I'm talking about? How many of you are happy that you are saved? Oh, my goodness, a few of you. The rest, I'm going to make an altar call and pray for you. Just a few people, honey. My mother was 16 years old when she fell pregnant with me. Anybody 16 years old here? No? Any girl? No? No? Nobody? 16 years old. And they came together in the, in the back of the house on a Saturday evening and it's dark. And they thought nobody saw them. And you know what the Bible says? Whatever you do in the dark, <laughs> it will come up in the light. And one thing led to another. And I don't have to tell you, you look at me so innocent. Let me tell you. Of course they had sex. You're asking me, how do I know that? I said, just look at me. So two months later, when my mother found out that she was pregnant, she went to this, this guy, my dad. He was handsome, but not as handsome as I am. And she went to him and said, hey, I'm pregnant. And when my father heard that he was pregnant, he ran away. He ran away. And, and this morning when I was standing here, my eyes went through this congregation. I'm looking still for my dad. And I saw this gentleman there in the back and I thought, could it be him? But no, maybe not. So my father ran away and I've never met my father up to this day. And when my mother then decided that she didn't want to tell her father because her father was the lay preacher where we grew up and within the African family, you know, um, um, we're growing people all 
it's not just the shame on the individual. It's the shame on the whole household. And so she decided to commit abortion and suicide with this little boy that she was carrying. And she jumped three times from the roof wanting to commit abortion. And I don't have to tell you I'm a miracle standing here in front of me. Because God knew I had to come and tell you the story. Thank you, man. So my mother had to go and work. And there's three things that shaped my, my, my sort of, if I look back, my life that I quickly want to run you through and then finish here. So my mother had to go and work. And so I end up, I end up staying with my grandfather and grandmom. And so they became really my parents. And occasionally I saw my mother. My mother had to go and work for white people as a domestic worker. And I would see her every second month coming home. And I remember sweets and ooh. It was nice to see her. But three things that shaped my life. The one was, I remember little boy, and some of you will know what I'm talking about. I can see you've got some of those gray hairs uh, like me. Uh, I remember uh, going to school, and we had to wake up about 4 o'clock in the morning and, and just, you know, wash and boil the water outside. And, and then we had to walk for miles and miles. And this morning, it was very cold. And I knew that always along the road, there's this white-only bus that will pass. And this morning, man, it's so freezing cold. And I put my foot in the cow manure, and there's the white-only bus. And all the little kids that's the same age of mine, they got into the bus. And when it was finished, of course, we were forced to say, bus, to you, Steve. And, um, and so I look at the bus driver, and I say, bus, can I have a lift? And without a word, without a word saying, he looked at me, slammed the door, and he drove off. And this incident changed my life. I begin to question myself and say, well, what is it about this God? What is it about this God? Same age and that. But why was I not allowed to be in the bus? And subconsciously, I started to hate God for making me black. Now, I might be the only black person, but I can tell you millions of them are thinking that way. God must be white. And so everything that's happening begins to get stuck there. The second thing that shaped my life um, we had the Dutch Reform, all my family was in the Dutch Reform Church, and they would come uh, to have a, today they talk about cell group, they would have a house service, and man, we were very poor. Who can understand Afrikaans here? Man, I feel like speaking the heavenly language here. And uh, man, we, we were poor, but man, every... Every week we have a new carpet with the cow manure smearing out. I can still smell that fresh carpet. And that's Wednesday evening there at the church. And I still remember what he was preaching about God and how he loves us. And, and he wants to be a better father than an earthly father. And that moment I missed my father, my earthly father. And I had this conflict because God made me black. And I, and I hated him for because, you know, being black is not in. And yet... He's a good father that, that wants to give you. And, and I, he made an altar call. I put up my hand and nothing major. I said, said the sinner's prayer. Nothing major happened. Except I had this warm feeling and I went to bed that evening. Six months later, my mother died. And I couldn't understand how can a loving God, how can a God that says he knows everything and he loves me, and he wants to be, I mean, after all, didn't he know that my father ran away and my mother wanted to kill me? And so I remember when I stood at the grave and they lower 
but the coffin down. I had nothing to live for. I just wanted to die with my mother. And I saw myself in the spirit jumping in there. And I walked away from the grave. And I heard myself saying very loud to God, God, I hate you. I hate you. I hate you. And then for two years, man, it's so difficult. And one day I'm on my way to school, four o'clock up. And the white farmer where my grandfather lived stopped by. And without asking permission, he just took me out of school and I had to become a slave worker, work for one rand a month on the farm. And I had a dream. I wanted to be a traffic officer and a lawyer and so on and so on. And I'm working on the farm and I'm, I'm just running with my testimony here. Oh, and uh, I've written this book. Um, so a lot of the stories in there. It's very cheap. Just special price now. And I'm, I'm on the farm. And one evening, about one o'clock in the morning, Monday morning, jump up and I ran away because I wanted to be free and I met with the wrong friends. Long story short, the age of 18 years old, I went to the doctor and the doctor told me you have to die using drugs. I became a street boy. I lived on the street on a Sunday when my parents, I mean, my family would come to church like today. They would walk, walk past me and they would look to the other side because I was smelling and stinking. That's me. That's me. Next time when you walk past that guy in the street, just remember Wilson. The destiny was locked up in me, in my state of pain and unforgiveness and bitterness. So I lived on the street. One day my aunt stopped by. I was smelling and that. And she said, Wilson, look at you. If you die today, who's going to bury you? And, I, and I, she said, I will give you three weeks to come and stay at my house, but then you must change your life. Thank you so much. I, I couldn't change my life. I was not, I, I, I couldn't. And I remember the last Sunday, and I could hear her singing coming from church, and I knew she was going to come somehow straight into my, into my room. And she walked in and she says, look at you, if you die today. I said, what must I do? And she said, come to church. And I thought, man, she didn't know it. But I thought, man, I can save another week to stay here with her. I said, I'll come to church next Sunday. And so I went to church and she made me sit in front. The pastor preached, first time in church, the age, 18 years old. And I remember my first prayer in church. I said, oh God, please let this man finish preaching. I hope you're not praying that same prayer for me this morning. You will be in trouble. And for some reason, he says, Amen. And those who want, I thought God heard my prayer. Those who want to be part of the church must come in the corner. And I thought you'd just give your name, you know, to this lady. And then, whoo, you can continue to use drugs. And so I pushed everybody there. Was this lady standing there, Auntie Sheila. I gave my, and she says, oh, for the next two years, we're going to study the life of Jesus. Of course, they have confirmation classes in the Dutch Reformed Church. And, and I heard myself saying very loud, study the life of Jesus. And the next week, Wednesday starting, I had these voices in my head. Jesus, Jesus. My aunt, now I'm staying for one month with her. She's never talked about Jesus. Only Auntie Sheila went back to the church the next Sunday. And I arrived at the church and when everybody was gone, I didn't want to sit in with Auntie Sheila, but I wanted to ask her a question about this voice. 
And so we had our first confirmation class. I just sat there, and when it's finished, and there's just the two of us, big Dutch Reformed Church, high ceiling building, I said, Auntie Sheila, can I ask you a question? She said, yes, Wilson. I said, where can I meet Jesus? And I was serious. I wanted to meet Jesus. And she looked at me without saying a word, and she just walked out of the church. And I remember I stood in the church, and here's the prayer I prayed. I said, God, if you really say who you are, if you don't come and reveal yourself to me, at least I can say I've given you a chance. I was not even finished praying that prayer when it appears that the church and the roof of the church splits in two. Lightning struck me down. For two hours, I'm lying on the floor. After two hours, I woke up and I, I, I went outside. I heard all these voices and these images. and It was just incredible. Beautiful voices calling my name. And I remember it normally take 10 minutes from church to my aunt's house. It took me an hour. And as I walked into the door that day, my aunt looked at me because I left that morning under the influence of drugs. I was addicted to drugs. She looked at me. She says, Wilson, what happened with you? I knew something happened in the church. I couldn't explain it. She said, I can see you have changed. Thank you. That's a good place to say amen, man. That's a good place. She said, I can see you've changed. I knew something. I couldn't explain it. And, and I remember the first thing I asked her, I said, just give me black coffee. I believe black coffee must be from God. <laughs> uh, um, and all of a sudden, I had this intense desire to read the Bible, and I started in Matthew. And by Friday, I was in Acts chapter 9, and it's the story. How many of you remember that story? Guy on the road, Saul, Paul, the road of Damascus. And as I begin to read it, it was like God lifting this veil, and I realized the same lightning that struck Paul down. I had the same encounter with God. And all of a sudden, God lifted this veil, and I realized that God has set me free from drugs up to this day today. He is good. He is a good God. But my story that I'm telling you this morning shouldn't be different because God's desire is to see that every man and woman come to the full knowledge of who He is. It is the duty of the church that we need to see it. Paul puts it this way in Romans chapter 1 verses 14 to 16. He says, I'm obligated. To the Jews and the Greeks. He says, I've made it my duty to see that everyone, whether it's in school and in work, I don't care where you are, we need to let them know Jesus is alive. That's the duty of the church. I'm obligated, Paul says. See, that's God's ultimate desire that, that everyone, man, I'm passionate for Him. And I will not make an excuse this morning, church. I'm sorry that I'm a little bit loud, but man, I love Jesus. And I remind myself every day where He took me from. I was smelling and stinking, and I am no better. It's the grace of God. And Paul says, I'm obligated. And then Isaiah asked us a question. Verses 6 to 8, if it's God's ultimate desire, and there's 1.7 billion people that hasn't heard or ate about him. Who will go? I'm not recruiting here for any organization. You should have a word to stay. 
because as I understand and read the Bible, we have all been called to go. Whether it's just across the street or to the work, we've all been called to go. Are you guys with me here? It is our duty. Even if it's just your neighbor, they should know. And Isaiah says, and I heard the voice of the Lord saying, whom shall I send? And who will go? Then I said, here am I. I, I, I want to I stop here right now before I go to the second point. How many of you here this morning saying, man, I want God to use me. I want you to quickly stand. I just, I just want to pray for you right now. Hey, let's, just, let's just have a demo card this morning. You're saying, man, this is me. God, use me wherever it is. Thank you so much. Don't stand if you don't mean it. Don't stand when you don't mean it. Man, God is not a man that he would, he would take us upon his word. Thank you so much for so many people standing here. Pastor, this church will never be the same. And I'm not even asking you to go. If God says go, go. I'm just asking you to stand and to be available tomorrow when you have that opportunity. When you go and fill up that gas, just ask that guy, do you know him? Because I know him. When you sit in the restaurant and you have that steak, at least look that lady in the eye and says, Good afternoon. Do you know him? Father, I want to thank you right now. Come on, let's just receive it. I want to thank you right now for everybody that's standing here this morning and saying, that's me. I want to go. I am ready. I make myself available. I pray right now that the Spirit of God will come upon them like never before. In the name of Jesus, that you would rekindle the passion, Father, for the lost. Because that was your mission. Let your mission be our mission. I pray, God, that you would give us your heart for, the, for those who don't know you whether it's my neighbor and the guys I'm working for. Oh, God, stir our hearts for those who don't know you. I pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. I'm, I'm almost there. There's three things that I said this morning that I want you to know. The first one is that God has an ultimate, help me, He has an ultimate desire. But He you also have an ultimate goal. What is his ultimate goal? What is his ultimate goal? Come and help me, church. Oh, I want you to come and open your Bibles with me in Revelation 7, verses 9, because we see a picture of God's ultimate goal for the nations. His ultimate goal for the nations we find in this beautiful scripture, Revelation 7, 9. And this is what John is saying. And John, look into the future. This hasn't occurred yet. It's about to happen. After this, I look. And there before me was a great multitude that no one could count from, from every nation. So John, he's seeing something in the Spirit which were God's ultimate desire. From every nation and tribe and people and language standing before the throne. Covered in white robes. And all of a sudden it will not matter what color you are and what language you are. In front of Jesus, the ground is level for all of us. Isn't this good news, church? Worshiping God. 
God's ultimate goal is that all the nations should worship Him because He is a jealous God and He is the only true God. Let me put it this way. Let's just build here. I'm going to say something here that Jeff will not like to hear because he's from YWAM. But I'll say it anyway. Steve will enjoy it. Pastor Steve. Missions exist because worship does not. The reason why we have missions is so that worship can take place. But when Jesus comes back, there will be no need anymore for missions. So missions is temporarily. Worship is forever. Are you guys with me in the church? And God wants everyone to worship Him. I know we have sometimes difficulty to love the Muslims, but He created the Muslims in His image. And the reason why we have missions, Jeff, <laughs> I will have to go and amend my relationship and take him out for black coffee. I had Friday at his house some real good, where was that coffee from? Uganda, here. Yeah. Some smooth Ugandan stuff. Missions exist because worship does not. And God wants every nation to worship Him because He is the true God. Not Buddha. Not Allah. Not all those false gods. Are you guys with me? And so the reason why we do missions is because we want everyone to worship God. And John says here, there comes a time where there will be no need anymore for missions because we will constantly be in the presence of God, worshiping Him from every language. Isn't that great? And oh, by the way, there's only 350 million uh, English-speaking people. The most powerful language that's rising in the nations come from Asia. So imagine if Jesus come today, all the English people, they will have to look and shout, Oh, where are you? Because we're not in the majority. And sometimes we think that English is the only language. It's not. And we need to open our hearts and begin to worship the Lord in different languages. Isn't that great? We need to see God being worshipped in some Zulu language. Siabonga, Jesus. Siabonga, Jesus. Siabonga, Jesus. One more time. Siabonga, Siabonga, Jesus. Come on, that's how we do it, man. Sia bonga, Jesus. Oh, sia bonga, Jesus. Hallelujah, amen. By a donkey, Jesus. By a donkey, Jesus. By a donkey, Jesus. 
we can even do it in English. Thank you, Jesus. Come on, let's all stand for a moment. Thank you, Jesus. Oh, we thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Hallelujah. One more time. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Hallelujah. Amen. Sia bonga. Sia bonga. Jesus, siabonga, oh siabonga, siabonga, Jesus, hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Come on, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. You can sit. You can sit. You may be seated. You can sit. That's where I want the worship leader, man. Always close to me. Because this African is crazy. One moment I'm preaching, the other moment, man, worship is flowing. Isn't that church that we should be free so that God can move? Man, I love this church. Missions is short term. Worship is eternal. We will forever worship. So God's ultimate, His ultimate goal is that everyone will worship. And then I want to end off with this last point. Oops. Number three. I've got only three things. God has an ultimate desire. That's right. He has an ultimate goal. It's worship. And He has an ultimate purpose. What do you think it's the purpose of God? I can't hear you. His ultimate desire is that everybody must be saved. His ultimate goal is that we would all worship Him. What is His ultimate purpose? Habakkuk chapter 2 verses 14 as we end off with the scripture. The worship team, you guys can come up. I want to end off with this part, Habakkuk. We talk about the purpose, God's ultimate purpose, and it says this, for the earth will be what? The earth will be what? Filled. Aha! With the glory and the knowledge of who God is. Imagine the earth will be covered like waters covered the sea with the knowledge of who God is. That God wants everybody to come to that place, that the earth will be filled with who they are because He has created us
to bring glory to Him. So the ultimate purpose of God is that glory will be take, given back to Him. Isn't that great? That we would give back glory to Him. John chapter 12, verses 27 to 28. Now my soul is troubled, and what shall I say? Father, save me from this hour. No, it was for this very reason I came to this hour. Father, glorify your name. And God's desire is that His Son, Jesus, will be glorified. Isaiah 49, verses 3. He said to me, You are my servant, Israel, in whom I will display my splendor. Next time when I come back again, we know those three things about God. But the question that we want to ask, and we're not going to answer it today, what will it take for you and I to respond to what God wants us to do? What will it take? I want us all to stand as we worship the Lord, as we end off here. What will it take for you and I to see God's heart being fulfilled in the nation? That's the question that we need to answer. But Father, I want to thank you today. I want to thank you for speaking to us about your heart. And Lord, as we come to an end this morning, I pray that your presence will be with us when we leave this building, that we will know your heartbeat is that everyone will come to know you. I want to thank you so much for your faithfulness. I want to thank you so much, Lord, that you are here with us. Pray it in Jesus' name. Let's just worship you. Let's just listen to the words of this song. All around the world, souls are waiting, wanting the truth, seeking. My heart aches and I speak the word, go. But my body is sleeping.